Hello, Shady Oaks members. This is Mike Wright with you here again on our second uh, podcast of this year. Um, hope you enjoyed uh, last month's podcast with Brian Barnard, our president. Today, we are honored and pleasure to have uh, Mr. John Grace with us. So as I started thinking about interviewing Mr. Grace, the purpose of these podcasts are to share the history of Shady Oaks and maybe let the members know about some of the accomplishments of some of our prominent members that are golfers. And John has such a great career in both amateur and professional golf that it was hard to find a direction to start asking him questions. And I expressed that to him before we sit down today. So uh, anyway, if you don't, if you don't mind, please welcome John Grace to our podcast. And Mr. Grace, if you don't mind just uh, sharing your path to to joining Shady Oaks and, and your path as a child in Shady Oaks. Well, Mike, thank you, and I, I appreciate being here. Uh, uh, I got my start here in 1960 when my mother and father became members. And uh, we had been members originally, previously, and uh, I just started playing golf. I was 11 years old, I think, 11 or 12 when he became a member. How lucky can you get? People just don't realize uh, what Shady Oaks was when it first opened. There was nothing like it in the area. Uh, the course was in perfect condition. A beautiful clubhouse that Mr. Leonard built, and, and of course he built the course. And uh, a little nine, which I used a lot when I was 12 years old. I went up and down that thing. What, uh, one thing I do remember, you know, in, in those days, very few clubs had much of a practice range. Uh, and if they did, they had you put a nickel or a quarter in the machine and get 20 rocks out. Well, we had, uh, Shady Oaks had a brand new Ben Hogan golf balls on the practice range in a triangle. And uh, it was, there was nothing like Shady Oaks at the time. It was fantastic. Right. Yeah. So your first memories of Shady Oaks would be playing the little nine or the range balls or? Both. Both. Yeah. I, I used to uh, I hit a lot of range balls <laughs> out there. And of course, playing the little nine, what a great thing for a, a 11 or 12 year old to do. I'm carrying my bag. I go all day long out there sometimes. So and then, go ahead and take us through your your kind of your early years and your career and your college career and all the way to, if you don't mind, to your runner-up finish in the uh, in the uh, U.S. Amateur. Well, uh, about that time, my, my, we moved to my, my father's business, took him to Michigan, and he kept his membership here and a house here. And uh, uh, I continued playing golf there. I we joined the Detroit Golf Club, and uh, Horton Smith was the head professional there. We won the Masters twice, and I, he uh, helped me along. And uh, later, Walter Burkamo, who won the uh, PGA Championship, became the professional there. He was He's the man who won the PGA in 1953, the year Hogan had, right? yeah, yeah, had yeah. his great year. And then I went to the University of Houston and played on the golf team there and uh, enjoyed that and I, I used to come up to Shady Oaks and play at times because uh, uh, my father was still a member and then that led me to the early 70s I think 1973 or 4 I became a junior member right. of Shady Oaks and I'd, of course I'd met Mr. Hogan during that time and uh, in 1974 I was running up in the U.S. Amateur to uh, Jerry Pate and interesting enough about that uh, Mr. Hogan it was it was the finals was broadcast on TV and Mr. Hogan watched that final. And when I came home, he collared me and said, look, uh, you played really great and I'd like to play with you sometime. Well, you know, okay. <laughs> About two weeks later, he invited me to play nine holes with him. And uh, 
that started my relationship with him. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, so and when I was in Michigan, I won the Michigan Amateur and several other amateur tournaments in Michigan. So, which led to being uh, I'm in the Michigan Golf Hall of Fame and the Texas and the Golf Texas Hall of Golf Hall of Fame. But uh, that, anyway, I had a I had a history there. Right. Yeah, that's great. So, as I said at the beginning, where this where this interview goes could go anywhere, and so. You know, it could go to your playing career, your right. amateur career, your professional career in Europe. And um, but so we've talked about Mr. Hogan. Uh, obviously, that's a big part of Shady Oaks history. Yes. And so you played a, a number of rounds with him. Yes, I did. Do you have the, what's your best memories of, of playing with Mr. Hogan? Well, he he was a terrific guy to play with. I mean, you know, you were you know, we'd play for five dollars. You th you would you would have thought it was last his last five dollars. <laughs> Way. He, just like you, know, you. just like me, maybe, or I don't know. But, uh, he, he, but he was a uh, had a sense of humor, a great guy to play with, and uh, oh gosh, there's so many good memories. But uh, uh, what a player he was, and what an opportunity for me. And and he, he helped me a little bit, uh, showed me a few things, and uh, uh, gosh, oh, just fantastic. So, what do you, what are your your fondest fondest memory, I guess, or or, or best? piece of advice he gave you, or maybe you just picked up on being around him. That's how I did. You know. Well, uh, that's a hard question to answer. I guess the best advice he gave me is to always score low. It's pretty simple, right? <laughs> pretty, pretty simple. Um, one day we were playing, uh, I'll remember this to show you what kind of player he was. We were playing the first hole, and we both drove it about the same spot. He was about a 100-yard marker. He was a little ahead of me. And, I, and in those days, you used to aim to the right of the pin. Suck it left to the pin because the green was tilted. And I hit a wedge up there and did that. And uh, he looked at his shot a little while and took an eight iron out. It did a big old fade in there, a low fade that bounced right. The first bounce was hill. right up the hill, stopped about a foot from the hole. And, you know, when you see things like that, you just realize what kind of player you're. Different was. level, right? Yeah. Right. As you go, I mean, you some of the members don't really. I have never even heard of the swing game, which he played in and you uh -huh. played in for a number uh -huh. of years. Just talk about the swing game and a little bit of the a bit, a little bit about what that experience was like. Well, this kind of started with Mr. Leonard, I would guess, uh, back in the '60s, and of course they played for a lot of money. Where they'd throw balls up, and the two balls that were closest together would swing all the other players. Now, I, and I played in it uh, later on. I, I didn't. You 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 had it. You didn't have to play for. The maximum amount of money, which I didn't, but it was an interesting game here at Shady Oaks. It was kind of a tradition for a long time, yeah. and Mr. Hogan played in it too, quite often, as I understand it. Yeah, there, there's a story that that I've heard that I don't know if it's 100 percent accurate, but one day uh, he was playing in the swing game, and they throw up the balls, and there's like I don't know, it'd be 12 to 13, 14, 15 mm -hmm. players, and you'd throw up all the balls, and the two closest balls together would play every combination of everyone right. else in the group. And they played for a, a lot of money, and the, and the money escalated throughout the round considerably. And Mr. Hogan lost what I've heard now is about $2,000 on this Friday afternoon. And he says, okay, boys, tomorrow we're doing this again, and I'm going to. And, and he and his partner, who I don't remember who it was, said, we're taking it along again tomorrow. Everybody show up. And he set the golf course up that day. And he doubled his money. He won four thousand that, that next day. That's all I've heard anyway. For you well, around that time. Uh, the story was Earl Baldrige was the name of the gentleman. He yeah. was uh, a good friend of Hogan's and an eight handicap. And they'd come in, and of course Hogan got beat. And he said, "I'll tell you what. Tomorrow we're going to play, and Earl's going to be my partner. 
and we'll take the swing against everybody. And Hogan said, everybody couldn't wait. They thought that was going to be easy. Well, Hogan set the pins. And Hogan shot 64, and Earl helped him uh, four shots. And they killed everybody. Yeah. So it's probably, <laughs> well, I've heard that. I've heard that more than once. And so. they had a name for that game, which I'm not going to repeat right now. But uh, that's, he told me that's the last time he played because he said not everybody paid him. <laughs> not sure that's true or not. <laughs> I don't know either. There's a lot of those stories that are passed down. So, okay, so, you know, you, you've been introduced to Shady Oaks and, and you've committed mm-hmm. your member and, and lucky to have the the, uh, the guidance, kind of indirect guidance from Mr. Hogan. You know, he he never really took anybody on as their as their mentor but he but you've learned from being around him for sure as we both did you know so. well you know he was very nice to me I invited me to watch him practice if I'd like and I used to watch him practice all the time and uh, and of course playing with him was a you learned something every time you played with him to watch him as you know and uh, uh, it was a super experience for me there's no question about it and I look back on it and hardly believe it and you know he's left his imprint on Shady Oaks in some respects. For sure. Uh, a fellow named Mike Wright uh, had a lot to do with uh, what Shady Oaks is. And Mr. Hogan had a lot to do with you being the head yeah, professional. Yeah, no, I'm very fortunate about that. And uh, he used to talk to you all the time, uh, uh, I know, in the afternoons. And uh, I think he loved the club. He loved Mr. Leonard and wanted yeah. the future of the club to yeah. be right. Well, hopefully we're making him proud today. So kind of changing gears. So... You know, now you're you decided not to turn pro out of college, and you stayed an amateur, and um, great amateur career. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you've won every individual state championship in your age group. Yes, uh, in the state of Texas, and I yeah. have one. And I've told you this before. I have one memory of, of you winning the state amateur yeah. at Buffalo Creek. That you've heard me tell the story, and I use it all the time in lessons. And I'm gonna. I want to give you all an example, and John, if I if I don't say this exactly correct, Texas Amateur, you're talking Texas about Amateur, that was at Buffalo uh, Creek. That, no, that was at uh, Mira Vista. I won the Texas Amateur. Okay, it was, maybe it was a mid am. It was a mid am or something there, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I remember you were saying, you know, I I haven't I need to win this one to kind of complete the Texas Slam, I guess you might say. Uh huh. And so you and I were playing a practice round, and uh, the best I remember is there's a, a 460 yard, you know, par four, mm-hmm. number nine, I think. And we both hit our tee shots. And you had to only carry it about 220, but it was over a creek with big cottonwood trees on each side, okay? And so we hit our tee shots, and, and they're fine. And you're driving the cart, and you always get it out of the cart before you stop it. I still have noticed that today. <laughs> yeah. And so we get in the cart, and we're going to go hit our shots. And the next thing you know, you're slamming on the brakes, and we only moved about five feet. And he said, hold on a minute. And you hit something like a six or seven iron layup. And the best I remember the story is that you said, you know, I think the average score in this hole will probably be over five because people are going to hit these trees, they're going to lose balls, they're going to go in the creek, even though everybody can drive it over this creek. And, if I, and the best I remember is you laid up every day, and you hit a three wood, and then you got up and down a couple of times, and your average score in the hole was 4.5, and you felt like you picked up a couple of shots on the right. field. Is that, is that right? That's about right. And you know, that's one of the things that I did learn from Mr. Hogan is, of course, management. He was... He was always thinking about course management. Those are some of the things I picked up. I, and that's, that's just an important part of the game that people don't realize how important it is. I see it every day with the guys I play with do a bunch of stupid things they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> but uh, And I do them myself occasionally, but I try not to. But I well, do remember that instance, yeah. So kind of changing gears a little bit, it, it, with your experience playing golf worldwide and, and at, at all levels, what are the things you see that that your friends, your amateur friends, or your, your friends have not 
played at the level you play at. What do you see as their, the biggest common mistake among, among those kind of players? Well, I think we just described it. I think people uh, have a tendency to try to do things they're not capable of doing. You know, everybody has their own capabilities. And, uh, uh, for instance, I'm not a long hitter. So uh, there are lots, sometimes when I play in the U.S. Amateur, there will always be two real long par fours. And most of the guys will be trying to hit it hard to get there. What I used to say, I want to get two balls in the fairway in front of that green and chip up for par. And uh, things like that. I, I, and I used to win those holes a lot by doing that. Right. Yeah. So, of course, management, I think most people from 10, 20 handicap could play better if they realize their limitations. So do you personally have a theme about course management or a plan, you know, well, you know, I'll tell you what I think. Uh, there's a way to par every hole without ever hitting a great shot. You don't have to hit a great shot to make a par. And just imagine if you figured out a way to par every hole and made a couple of lucky putts, you'd be one of the best players ever. <laughs> you don't ever have to hit a great shot to hit a make a par, but you got to hit a you got to use your head a little bit. You just can't go at the pin when there's an out of bounds to the right or water. Sometimes when there's water in front, the pin's just over the water. It might be better to play to the middle of the green, things like that. That's a great statement. You don't, you don't have to hit a great shot to make a par. But yet you see amateurs get so disappointed after they hit a shot that's not perfect, and it almost carries on to the rest of their game. You know, and, and, Exactly. And you take pressure off yourself by not expecting or, or making yourself feel like you have to hit a great shot every time. Right? Well, that's exactly right. And you don't hit great shots. Uh, Ben Hogan used to say he only hit one or two great shots around. I mean, you know, I thought every shot he hit was great. But yeah. if, if that's his attitude, well, what my attitude has to be pretty much like uh, I don't hit a lot of great shots. So well, that's a, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I wish I'd thought of that. So okay, you're now you're again you're back into your amateur career. What are your proudest moments of your of your amateur career? Let's say after college. Well, you've asked that before, and I've been thinking about that. Uh, of course, making the Walker Cup team was, uh, in, in those days, and I guess it's still that way, every amateur, a good amateur, wants to make the Walker Cup team. And that was a pretty exciting thing. Uh, being runner-up in the U.S. amateur was, of course, but, you know, Texas is a huge state and one of the most important golf states, and I'm awfully glad I won the Texas amateur, and I did win it, and, and, I, and, I, and I won it. At an advanced age, I was 44 or 5 years old, right. playing against these college, long-hitting college kids. Yeah. And I'll tell you something funny about that. There was a newspaper article for that tournament. This was the days when newspapers were about amateur golf, and they were talking about who might win the Texas amateur at Mary Vista. That's where I won it. Right. And my name came up, and the guy that writing the article said, well, I don't think John Grace has any chance there because it's kind of a long-hitter's golf course. I couldn't wait to catch that guy after the one. <laughs> That's all you needed, you know. I guarantee that kind of around it here, your friends and I, we see when you get that bulldog mentality, and all you needed was a little bit of a challenge. So, um, so, so, how about the Masters? Oh, well, of course, that's you know, that was a fantastic opportunity. I mean, I played in it twice, and uh, I can't. It, it was great. It was wonderful. There's no question about that. I should have mentioned that, but that kind of came as a result of the U.S. Amateur and the Walker Cup. Right. I yeah. was invited to Masters because of those two things. Fondest memory of of, of, their, of being at, at Augusta National? Well, I'll tell you one memory. I played with uh, Arnold Palmer in the little the little, uh, the nine, little nine par three, par three yeah. tournament, which was kind of interesting. 
It was a lot of fun. He was great. He was great. So do you, that kind of brings up another thought, as I said, this could go a bunch of different directions, but, and I don't, I don't know if this is a fact, but it seems like it could have been that Augusta National influenced, he, Mr. Leonard was a member there, and it influenced a lot of the thoughts behind Shady Oaks. And so um, as a result, we've got the two par fives on the backside, short par three, the, the par three course, a little nine. And, uh, and when, when I first got Shady Oaks, much more like it is now we had zero rough at all like augusta used to not have do you think that's a, a, an actual fact that mr leonard's involvement with augusta national influenced shady oaks and well first of all mr leonard was just fantastic he loved golf he encouraged me and and his daughter marty did too i played quite a bit of golf with marty and and they just uh they couldn't have been nicer and uh I th I've always thought that because there was no rough when Shady Oaks was first built. There was no rough. We had Little Nine. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know it for a fact, but I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't, he, he, that went in the back of his mind. Yeah, I've always heard that. So when I started here uh, in the early 80s, got here, there was no rough at all. And right. as the greens were extremely fast, but they were always wet because they were kind of older. That's why the ball would spin so much. But the reason we started growing rough was because we had a, it rained for a couple of weeks solid and we couldn't mow the fairways. And so we had a, a, a old greens mower, our old fairway mower and an old and a new fairway mower. And so we just got the new one out and started mowing the fairways. And so we don't want to take the, the, we don't want to take the new one into the rough around the tree roots and all that. Mm -hmm. and of course you remember then there was dirt under trees. Yeah. I mean, there's no dirt out there anymore. Right. But uh, so we got behind in mowing and so people liked the rough. And so that's how we had rough. And now we're kind of turned back the clock, going back the other way. Well, you know, Augusta, uh, I don't even know why Augusta didn't have rough. I guess that was Bobby Jones' idea, but they have a little rough now. They started yeah. going a little, and, you know, I, I think, uh, I think a little rough is good because it gives you something to shoot at. You know where the fairway is. I, I don't, I don't consider our rough, rough, rough. Right. No, it's not. And Augusta's is not either. But, uh, yeah, you bring that up. I, I, I've always thought that I never heard Mr. Leonard or Marty say that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that went in the back of his Some of the mind. influence probably. My, so. my had to be because it was so similar. No one else had a par three course. I don't know if many that have them now. Yeah, I know they're getting more popular, but that new year you know, right about that. So. I, I'll tell you, that is a, a great addition to our club to have that, not only for junior members, uh, the place to practice. I mean, we have frankly the best practice facility anywhere because of that. Yeah, that's true. It, 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 totally. I mean, we've been talking about that for years. You can hit any shots you want to hit. Yeah, and that's why we attract ten LPGA right. and PGA Tour players. You bet. That, that you mostly bet. that you know. Yeah, so, we've got several you know. of them now. So, John, let's let's go back a little bit, and and again. So I've asked you this before, and you've answered directly, and I I love it. So, how many golf tournaments have you won in your life? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, when you asked me that, I started counting, and I got to 100, and I quit counting. <laughs> I don't know how many, but, uh, you know, you're looking for 60. I've been playing for 64 years, and, um, uh, you know, you don't remember every single one, but I do. I got to 100. I, I, uh, Mike, all it means is I've played a long time and didn't no, quit. <laughs> anybody that knows you knows it. I mean, I've learned a lot from you over the years. I still use it in teaching today. But one summer we played a lot of golf together. Mm -hmm. That was a lot different. It was, you know, it's much busier now. Yeah. And, but in the evenings we'd go out and play and, and, uh, and um, I learned a lot that I still use and pass on to other people. And I think some of those things are indirect things you might learn from Mr. Hogan. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been able to combine that, but there's, I guarantee there's not a week go by that I don't use you an example with somebody I'm giving a lesson to things are different things I've learned, you know, watching it, you know, well, you know, I, uh, I've been really lucky to be a member of Shady Oaks. I've been every kind of member. I've been a junior member, a regular member, an ex-member. Uh, and then I've corrected that mistake and became a new member again several years later. And I just think uh, my association here has helped my golf game to yeah. have the opportunity to have a great place to practice and play. Well, it seems like the group you're playing with, you have so much fun with. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'll say this. It's, it's so great to see somebody who enjoys it so much and can play with anybody. You know, I mean, it, it's hard for better players. A lot of times they get caught up, well, they don't want to play with the best players, but it's great. And I think everybody enjoys the fact that you're you're playing with them and competing with them. And uh, Well, I play in, I play in the little scratch game. I play in that once in a while, and I play with in a 1 o'clock game, they call it. We, it's a 1 o'clock game that plays at noon. I can't quite understand that, but we're, they're friends of mine, great guys, uh, uh, and I just like to play golf. I enjoy it. Yeah, I know. I know. I like to practice. You've always had the same routine ever since I've known you. You might pop in at 1030 in the morning, chip and putt for 15 minutes, and then be back at 230 for 15 more minutes and maybe back at six for 15 minutes. Well, that's about about right. I I, uh, space it out a little bit, I guess. Or I'll I'll think of something that I say, well, I'm going to try that out. So it's obvious to anybody that knows you and recognizes you that you spend a lot of time working on your short game. And uh so throughout your life, has that been the, the kind of your ratio, short game, chipping, pitching, putting to ball hitting? What would, what well, would you say your ratio is and why? Well, first, the why. When I got started, I just loved the game. I, I, I just loved it and I wanted to compete. But I'm not a big person and I, I never was a long hitter. And I knew in order for me to compete, I was going to have to have, to have a superior short game. So I went to work on it. And uh, I'd say I spend about 80% of my time. I, I think the short 50 yards into the flag is about 60% of the game. So why wouldn't you spend most of your time doing that? And it's the opposite of what most people do. You know, you go out on our practice tee and you'll see 10 people out there and you'll go over to the chipping green to be one person. And I love that because I have the chipping yeah, green to myself. Yeah. But to me, it's the most important part of the game. Number one, number two, uh, Believe it or not, practicing pitching and chipping seems to help my long game. And I'm not sure why. I think it's because it develops rhythm and hand-eye coordination and so on. But uh, And also, being good around the greens improves my score. I like, sure. I like shooting the low. <laughs> I'm getting older now. I can't play like I used to, but I want to play as good as I can. Well, I think you are. So on that topic, at what age did you shoot your age? 66. So we joked about that during the, I think it wasn't the first time you shot your age, but senior club championship. And I think you were 66 at the time and you, and you were six under going to 18 and we teased that you bogeyed the last hole to shoot your age. We just teased about that. Yeah. I, I, I think I shot, I think I shot 60. I was five under and I was 67 and I shot 67. I think that's what happened. Okay. But I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about that bogey. Of course. Of course <laughs> enough. So how many times have you shot your age? 100 and, uh, 163. Yeah. See, I know. I still know how many tournaments you won. You, I still know. If you know that, <laughs> you shot your age that many times. I wonder how many people in the world have done that. Oh, well, more than you think. Uh, you know, more than you think. I'm so sure. was that a goal of yours at, at a certain no, point? No, no. Well, I mean, yeah, when I actually when I was uh, – 63, I shot a 64. When I was 64, I shot a 65. And finally, I've, when I got 66, I shot a 66. But uh, 
it wasn't a goal. It's just something started happening. And I said, well, I'm going to keep counting and see how many yeah. times I do this. And I've done it more than I thought I would. I'm probably playing better now. I'm 75 than I thought I would be playing at 75. Yeah. But I don't yeah. play like I used to. But uh, yeah, I, I just enjoy player. the game. And I, I, I keep – I want to play the best I can. That's why I practice. Yeah, that's great. Well, so um... – how many hole of ones have you had? Uh, Fifteen. I had one. La I had one last week on my birthday, on my seventy-fifth birthday, and shot seventy-five that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, Everybody's been giving me a hard time. I loved it because when I'm, the game I play in, uh, if someone makes a hole in one, they all have to pay you a hundred dollars mm -hmm. apiece. Well, it happened to be that day there were nineteen players. It was a <laughs> great day. I bought, Paid your dues bought, for the month. Well, it was a good day for me. They were they were a little unhappy about it, but I bought them all a drink. So. Was well, I got to say, if you don't, if you're, I'm going to tell this story, and if you don't want it to, to go on the air, you just tell me. But I, uh, you know, when you, I, I took a lot of pride when you came and played in the U.S. Uh, senior amateur in 2008 at Shady Oaks, and you hadn't been around the club very much for a while. Mm -hmm. But I, it, I really enjoyed seeing you and watching you compete, and it, you know, it stirred up some good memories. And then, so then when you came and you've sat in my office and asked about joining the club, what year was that? Well, I think it was about 10 years ago, yeah, about 10, 10 years or 11 ago. years ago. I looked at that the other day and uh, I came back. It was in the, about maybe 12 years ago, something like that. I came to talk to you about it. So the club was almost full and, and you just came in and said, you know, I, I think basically what you said earlier, it sounded like you wanted to kind of get back to your roots, you know. And um, but you you came to me that day and, and said, you know, what do you think? I said, John, I said, I think it'd be great. And you, and you looked at me and you said, I'm a member of this club. I'm going to be the best member I can be. Period, and uh, and and I would say that you have fulfilled that totally. I mean, and it's been terrific to watch and and have you around, you know, for this time again. Well, uh, I got my start here, and uh, I probably made a mistake when I left, but and I'm glad I corrected the mistake, and I want to end up there. This is a, uh, far as I'm concerned, the top club in Fort Worth, Texas. If you play golf, this is where you want to be a member. Right. Right? And I'm delighted to be a member here. Well, I appreciate you being here, and I appreciate the contributions you've made in a positive way to the you know club. And oh. and uh, you know, and even though you, you might want to give these guys a hard time when they're on the board or something, I know well, not. I was just thinking that you might ask Barnard and uh, Peebles; they might say <laughs> I give them a hard time, but we're good friends. No, man. that's great. It, so. It's uh, they, uh, gosh, you know, I'm just what great boards we've had since I've been here. It's uh, we're a golf oriented club, and. Uh, Yet they're keeping everything else up nice too. And yeah, it's just great. So, well, I can't tell you how, how uh, much I appreciate you sharing these stories with the Shady Oaks members. And, you know, there's, like I said, there's so many different avenues I could go down with asking you questions. And I kind of let it take its natural course there. Uh, kind of covered some things that I thought were interesting to other members. Um, but again, I can't tell you. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. Well, and, thank you for asking me to do it, Mike. I'm delighted. Well, Okay, we'll see you on the links. Okay, you got it.